morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Today's reading is from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. That's from the New International Version. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, to lay lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Good morning, everybody. comes to your mind when you think about friendship? Anything stewing in there right now? Uh, this word, we use it in a lot of different ways in our culture, don't we? You know, for instance, you have, you have friends on social media. According to uh, Pew Research, they looked at the average number of friends that uh, an average Facebook user has, and it came out to 338. 338 friends is the average amount on Facebook. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Um, but what makes them a friend to us? You know, um, in some areas, you know, maybe online is one of those areas. We, we use the, fr- the term friend in a pretty loose way, I think, don't we? It might just be somebody that we talk to once, once a year, you know, somebody we think they're pretty cool. So they're our friend on, online. On the other end of the spectrum, though, there are those people that are so close to us that you simply just can't imagine life without them. They're, they're sort of a part of who you are. They don't just know the Instagram version of you. They know the real life version of you, and, and still they choose to stick with you, and that's pretty cool. Um, they, those people are special. We need those people in our lives. And so this got me thinking about what the... What the Bible says about friendship, what does God think a friend is? So I decided to look it up, and I wanted to share with you a couple of verses this morning that reveal a little bit, I think, about the answer to this question. The first one is from Proverbs 18.24. It says here that one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the Bible recognizes this as well. Not all friends are the same. Some people might be called a friend, but they're not really that reliable. On the other hand, there is a type of friend who is a real friend, you could say. They're closer to you than a brother. They stick with you no matter what. And so here's another one from Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So here we see something similar again. It says a friend is someone who loves you all the time. 
They are they're with you through thick and thin, you could say. And I don't think that means that they're always going to just tell you what you want to hear. But they are always interested in building you up and helping you to become more than you are. So let's bring those ideas into our scripture reading that that Joe had for us today. We've been talking about our purpose this month in the month of December. And I want to suggest to you this morning that a big part of our purpose is to be a friend to Jesus, which is the title of our lesson this morning. But what does that really mean? You know, as we've been saying, there's a pretty wide range on this this uh, this definition, I guess, of being a friend. So when Jesus calls us his friends, what is he saying exactly? And if we're supposed to be a friend to Jesus, then how do we do that in our lives today? And and so this is what I want to focus on this morning. So let's start by diving into the what question. What does it mean to be a friend to Jesus? Well, in our text today, verses 14 and 15, there are at least two things that Jesus says about what it means to be his friend. The first is from verse 14, and he says to his disciples that they will be his friends if they do what he commands them. And secondly, in verse 15, he says his disciples are now his friends instead of just his servants because they know what it is that he has come to accomplish. They know what he's about. And I want to talk about these two things for for a good chunk of our time today because I think they're important. I think we're going to see that both of them still very much apply to us today and what it means as we are trying to be friends of Jesus. So in verse 14... He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Uh, And and this should cause us to think about something, too. What is his command exactly? Well, in verse 12, it says here uh, that his command is that we should love each other in the way that he loves us. His commandment is that we should love like he loves, right? And then he expands on that in verse 13, and he says that, Uh, The type of love that he's talking about is the type of love that lays down your life for your friends. So his command is this. This is his command here. This is what it means to be his friend. And we need to grasp the significance of it, I think. And when Jesus laid down his life for others, it, it wasn't just because he needed to be a sacrifice for sin. It was also to set the example of a new way to live as a human. You could say that Jesus was starting a new project and and with his life, he was inviting other people to join him in that project. It makes me think about the time that we built a fence in our backyard in 2018. This is not from uh, uh, Better Homes and Gardens. This is actually my backyard. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. But uh, we decided to build this fence by ourselves for a variety of reasons. And uh, with the help of some of our friends, uh, we got it done. It was really a hard project and a really cool one, too. But I think there are some similarities with this fence project and, uh, and, the, and the project that Jesus is talking about in our scripture today. You know, Alicia and I, we had a goal in mind. We wanted to do something. It was pretty simple. Build a fence. And I have to believe that the people who showed up to help us with that were there, not because, you know, they wanted some money or something. There was no money. (laughs) Um, You know, they might have been there. There might have been some food involved, but I think there's a lot easier ways to get a burger than coming to help someone build a fence. 
No, you know, those people who came, they were our friends because they cared about us. They cared about our goals and they wanted to help us reach them. And they, they were willing to give up their time. They're give, they were giving up their energy. You could say that they were laying down their life in a way to help us with our project. Now, I want to suggest to you that I think this is kind of what Jesus is talking about as well, just in a much bigger scale, right? Jesus has a project too. It's to turn the hearts and minds of every person back to God. That's a huge project. But Jesus showed us how to complete it. He laid down his life for the people around him. He started the project. He led the way. And this is what made me think about the fence. You know, like like with the fence, he called his friends to show up and help him with that project. And how do we help him? Well, we just do what he did. We lay down our lives for others. We continue the project that he started. And we show ourselves as his friend when we do that, when we help him reach his goal. We lay down our lives for him by laying down our lives for others. Just a couple of chapters before what we're reading right now from John 15, back in John 13, Jesus told his disciples and by extension us, just why this is so important. So just after he finished washing his disciples' feet in John thirteen thirty four, this is what he said. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's the same kind of language here again, right? He wants us, he wants his disciples to love each other in the same way that he loved us. But the reason is what I want to focus on here. He said in, thir- in verse 35, he said in verse 35 that when we do this, we, uh, when we show love to our brothers and sisters in the same way that he showed love to us, people are going to see something. And we need to appreciate the significance of what that means, what the people are going to see. The kind of love that Jesus calls us to show to one another is going to stand out. It's a self-sacrificing kind of love. It's not the you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of love. It's not the love that gives when it's convenient. It's not the love that necessarily comes easy or always feels good to give. It's the type of love that gives sacrificially. It's the kind of love that crosses over customary boundaries. It's the kind of love that stands out. Like the kind of love that would cause the king of the universe to kneel down and wash the dirty feet of his subjects. It's the kind of love that dies for the people who hate you. It's the kind of love that causes a person to dedicate their whole life to showing people a different way to live, even when he knows that most of them will not care to listen. Or it's the kind of love that leaves the perfect, sinless realm of heaven to be born into a feeding trough. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And showing that kind of love will cause people to see that we are his disciples. It's so much more, I hope you're getting this, it's so much more than just getting along with each other or being nice. Jesus commands us to be his friends by showing the kind of love that he showed, his kind of love. 
When we show that to one another, something amazing will be seen. God's character. People will actually see who God is in our midst. That's amazing. So when we realize that our love is about carrying on what Jesus started, when we realize it has a purpose, we see why he commanded his disciples to do it and why that command still applies to every one of us today. The second thing that makes us his friend, according to John 15, uh, 15, 15, is that we understand what he's about. We understand what he's about. We know the bigger picture of what he's doing. And very importantly, we know how our life fits into that bigger picture. As friends, we aren't just blindly following orders. We're considered friends because Jesus has led us in on why we're doing what we're doing. We know that laying down our lives for others is his plan for reaching the lost world through us. We know why our sacrifice is important, and we know how that fits into his plan. This is why we're his friends instead of just his servants. We understand the bigger picture. In the scriptures, this isn't the first time that this concept comes up. Consider the relationship between Moses And God, for instance, we read about this in Exodus 33, verse 11. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend or to a friend. The scripture called Moses a friend of God in this passage. And why? Well, it has to do with the way that God spoke to Moses. When God had a plan to do something with the Israelites, you remember reading about this, right? He would he would often reveal it to Moses in advance. God called Moses a friend because God let Moses in on his plans. Moses often knew what God was trying to accomplish. Think about that relationship, you know, between God and Moses in contrast to the relationship that God had with most of the other Israelites in that time. Instead of speaking with God like a friend, the rest of the Israelites, they said this to Moses. In Deuteronomy 5, the Israelites told Moses, go near and listen to God, uh, go near and listen, sorry, to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord God, uh, Lord our God tells you, we will listen and obey. <laughs> so this is the relationship that most people had with God back in Moses' time. In essence, they really didn't have a relationship with him that looked much of anything like a friendship. They just wanted to know God's commands and then they would follow him. It was more, much more like a master and a slave kind of relationship. So if we bring this, this back into our text in verse 15, we can see the significance of what Jesus is saying here, right? He says, I'm not calling you servants anymore because you know what my mission is about. A servant doesn't really know what his master is doing, but you know the bigger picture of what's going on here. You know why I'm calling you to lay down your life for the people around you. I have called you to join me in my plan to save the world. Has the significance of that sunk in for you? Do you know that the God of this universe wants far more in a relationship with you than just command and obey? Through Jesus, he not only shows us a new way to live, but also lets us in on the reason why. We must live this way. This is what makes us a friend of Jesus in a lot of ways. You're not just called to blindly follow commands like a servant. And by the way, I'm not, 
I'm not saying for a minute that obedience isn't necessary because it clearly is. I mean, verse 14 here on the screen says that we must obey his commands. But it's more than that. That's what I'm trying to say. We are his friends when we decide to lay down our lives to join him in the work he's doing because we understand the significance of why we're doing it. We partner with him. So we see that being a friend of Jesus isn't just being like buds with him. (laughs) It's more than just having a personal connection to him. It's seeing our life as a part of his mission and choosing to lay down our selfish pursuits so that we can partner with him in his pursuit. But but now I want to just talk for a minute about the how. You know, how are we supposed to be a friend of Jesus in, in a world like we're living in right now? How do we live out being a, fr- a friend of Jesus in this way? When it comes to that, uh, John's gospel gives us some good news, I think, and some bad news. <laughs> I'll start with the bad news. And the bad news is, I'm sorry to say, uh, that the bad news is that you and I, And everyone else really will not live up to this calling. This really hit me as I was reading through this part of John's gospel. You know, the words of Jesus that we're studying here uh, in our scripture today from John 15. I don't know if you knew this, but it comes from the last few hours of Jesus' life on earth. During this last meal, Jesus looks at his disciples. Picture this. Looks at his disciples straight in the eye. And he calls them his friends. It's an endearing moment, right? Beautiful. But then just one chapter later, okay, during the same meal, Jesus says these cryptic words to the same group of guys. He says, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone for my father is with me. Can you imagine? You know, in in short, Jesus says, each of you guys are about to abandon me and leave me alone. It's, It's hard to imagine. I mean, after all, he just like he just called them his friends. And on top of this, going back a few chapters, he says to Peter, you know, one of his closest followers, he says these words to him in, in John 13, 38. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Peter just told Jesus that he was willing to lay down his life for him. And Jesus responds by saying, that's nice, Peter. (laughs) But the truth is, before the sun gets up in the morning, you have already disowned me or denied me three times. And yet Jesus calls these guys his friends. (laughs) But they were about to desert him. They were about to deny him. Some friends, right? So what do we conclude from this? Did his disciples have Jesus fooled? Did they trick him into thinking that they were loyal friends, but Jesus was about to be in for a big surprise? I mean, the crazy answer is no, right? Jesus knew all of this was coming. Let that sink in for a minute. Knowing all of this, he still looked at them in the eye and called them his friends. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I find that astounding. It really doesn't seem like they qualified as his friends. But maybe that's the point. 
It really wasn't about their performance. And as we reflect on that today, I hope it causes you to appreciate something very important about what it means to be a friend to Jesus. Being a friend to Jesus is more about what He is doing through you than your performance for Him. Being a friend to Jesus is more about what He is doing through you than your performance for Him. And that's really important because in many ways we're no different than those disciples, right? We strive to be committed to Christ. We want to make our mission, we want to make His mission our mission. We want to try to lay down our lives for Him. We want to love like Him. And don't get me wrong, there are times when it goes good. There are high points, right? But if we're being honest and we do some real reflection, we have to conclude that just like Peter, we also deny Him. And just like the rest of the, uh, the rest of his disciples, when the going gets tough, we often desert him. We can be pretty hopeless friends as well. But that leads us to the good news. The good news is that despite all of our failures, he can still work with us. And that's what I hope you hear today. And more than that, in some ways, working with Him is precisely the only way that we will grow out of our imperfections and our sin and our failures. This is what we saw in the lives of the disciples. Jesus called them friends long before they looked like it. He was more focused on who they could become if they partnered with Him than their current failures. And it's the same for us today. The good news is that he looks at us not for who we are now, but for who we could become and what we will accomplish through him. uh, Sorry, what we will accomplish when he is in us, when we follow him. But to be clear, our commitment to him is a commitment to a certain way of life. And the overwhelming theme of this section of John's gospel is love, love. Jesus commands over and over for his disciples to love one another. This is what we are committing to in many ways when we commit to be a follower of Jesus. It's to be a people of love and not just any kind of love. It's the kind of love that Jesus showed us. It's the kind of love that desires the best for others and is willing to sacrifice to make that happen. Just like the disciples, we will not Um, We will not be perfect in this way of life. But there's something we need to avoid, and that is fear. Because fear will stop us dead in our tracks. Fear will cause us to focus more on ourselves than on the mission that Jesus has given us. Here's some examples of, of how fear can do that. We know about that brother or sister who's going through a mess in their marriage, but we're afraid to get involved Because it's too messy. There's an opportunity to serve in a ministry, but we fear that we don't have what it takes. Our schedule's too full. Our confidence too low. Or maybe you get a sense that your friend in the church is going through something, but you're too afraid to bring it up because you don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. Or maybe you see a brother in need, but you're afraid because... You, you know, you just don't know if you have enough to give and have enough left for yourself. Or maybe there's a sister in the hospital, but you're too timid to visit because you don't know what to say. These are all legitimate fears, you could say. And often that's our first reaction. It's so much easier to stay in our comfort zone. But it's so much easier to convince yourself 
uh, or it's so much easier to convince yourself that something is too risky or too scary or that you might fail, and so we just don't do it. But the thing is that love is going to cause us to do things that take us out of our comfort zone. Being a friend of Jesus means partnering with him in his way of life. It means laying down your life for others. And sometimes that's going to lead us into uncomfortable situations. And just to be clear, there's no guarantee that we'll succeed either. Sometimes things won't work out. Sometimes we're going to say the wrong thing. Sometimes we're going to lose our cool and do something stupid. But here's the thing. Showing love and being a friend to Jesus is more about courageously trying than cautiously avoiding. It's kind of like that popular quote from Eric Metaxas. He said, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Love that quote. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Jesus didn't call us to lock ourselves away from the world and protect our lives from the risk of failure. Based on our reading today, I have to conclude that he would rather have us try and fail than not try at all. And we can't forget the why. It's about creating that community of love. This thing we call the church is supposed to stand out and be different than the world around us. It's supposed to be a community that people can look at and see something different. But that's not going to happen as long as we stay in our comfort zones. Jesus calls us to be his friends, to live like him. That means laying down our lives, getting out of our comfort zone for others. The church needs to be a community where we do this more than just talk about it. The the church needs to be a place where self-sacrificing love is the norm. This love is the fruit, the fruit of what Jesus is talking about here in verse 16. Uh, It's something tangible that other people can see. I often reflect on what that might have looked like in the early church. I don't know if you do. Um, But I think there's a great example here in Acts 2. We read this a lot, but I think there's good reason for it. In verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The community was growing daily. Why? Did they have some elaborate outreach program to make this happen? I mean, there's nothing about that in this passage. And that's the amazing thing. Their outreach was their inreach, you could say. Their outreach was their inreach. Their love for one another was so powerful, so different, so unlike anything else in the world that people were just being magnetically drawn to it, it seemed. They were just coming in more and more were joining on a daily basis. That's the power of being a friend to Jesus. When we carry on his way of life, people are going to notice. It's going to stand out. It reminds me of another popular quote. This one is from an unknown author. I couldn't find who originally said it. 
But the quote is great. It says, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. I think this is what the early church had going on. But here's the thing. If we want to experience the power of a community like this, we must be a friend to Jesus first. We need to be willing to lay down ourselves for the people around us, and it won't come naturally. We'll be tempted to turn a cold shoulder to that brother who's difficult to be around. We'll be tempted to ignore that sister who's in need because we're too tired or too broke or too busy. We'll be tempted to steer clear of that person who's caught up in a sin struggle because it's just too uncomfortable to get involved in their mess. We'll be tempted to deal with it all on our own when a hard time comes. Maybe it's a mental illness or a a sin issue that we're too embarrassed to talk about. These temptations are all really just one and the same thing, though. It's a temptation to turn inwards, to, to turn to ourselves for the answers, to preserve our life rather than laying down our life and turning to Christ. And sometimes, like his earliest disciples, yeah, we're going to fail. But Jesus calls us to something more than we are. We see He sees in us what we can be, rather than what already is. He believes that if we choose to be his friends, we can create a community of love unlike anything else this world has ever seen except perhaps from Christ himself. And I think that's the point, right? We are his body after all, and we can and we should represent, uh, we, we should resemble the one that we, we represent. And not only we can, but we must do this. In many ways, this is our purpose. This time of year is a great reminder of why Jesus' way of life is so important. The Christmas story, it it focuses on a time when Jesus came to this world in, in the flesh. And this display of love is exactly what we've been talking about this morning. Jesus leaving the comfort zone, if you like, of heaven to come to a messy, corrupt and sin filled world and all for our benefit. Why would he do something like that? Why would he leave a place of such comfort and perfection and come to be born into a feeding trough? Why would he dedicate his life to helping people live for a different purpose when he knew that many of them wouldn't get it? And even those who did would still let him down over and over. Why would he call people his friends when he knew that they were going to abandon him? That they were going to deny that they even knew him? But the truth is, we know the answer to that, right? It's the reason that we're all sitting here listening to this message today. His love gets our attention. His love gives us hope that our lives could be something better. His love reminds us that there's something more to this life than just clamoring for the next gadget or the next paycheck or the next distraction. His love reminds us that God has a purpose for our lives. He wants to work through us to show his love to this world. And he has given us the example of how that happens through Christ himself. Everything in this life, everything in Jesus' life, from birth to death, was an example of that self-sacrificing love. And we can be his friends. And we can be a friend to him when we join him in his way of life by laying down our lives for the people around us. 
So where are you at with this way of life today? Are you a friend to Jesus? If you're tired of wasting your life with things that don't satisfy you, if you're ready to make a change, don't wait any longer. Yes, the life that he calls uh, the life that he calls us to is certainly a difficult one, but there's also nothing better. If you want to know more about what it means to give your life to Christ and become his friend, I encourage you to come and talk to me or, or speak with another Christian that you trust. Or maybe you've already decided to give your life to Jesus, but things have really gotten off track for you. If you need some help with being a better friend to him, if you want to talk or pray about, with, uh, pray about that with somebody, please feel free to reach out to me and we'll talk about that as well. Thank you for your time today.